You want your five-star matches? You want your 30-minute classics? Not me. Big meaty men slapping me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host of the Slapping Mead Wrestling Podcast, Randall Beatley. We got a great show for you all today. We're going to talk about Worlds Collide, the NXT, NXT UK pay-per-view premium live event, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, And I was... Not so excited about watching it. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't feel they had enough time to build the story behind the matches. And I bring that up because um, I really just wanted... You know, if you guys know how I view wrestling, it's through the lens of storytelling. Um, and so when there really, there really wasn't much story to it, and so I really wasn't looking forward to it. And I really didn't plan on watching it until about 3.30. Um, I was over at um, my dad's house. We were going to watch the um, the race. I, I initially planned to watch the Southern 500 um, NASCAR race at Darlington, and uh, when I got there, and they basically said, "Well, we're not doing anything." Well, I promised your your little brother we'll watch the LSU FSU football game instead, and that starts at seven thirty. And so I said, "Well, until then, will you have a problem with me watching this wrestling show? It's an NXT show, so it should only be you know two and a half. I think it ended up being about two and a half hours." Um, which to me was a good enough time for what we had going on. And they asked me why I didn't want to go to All Out and all of that. And that, that's a whole big debacle of, you know, I just I told them I didn't really care. Right, so we're going to go through, anyway, these matches. And again, I don't like to do, like, move by move by move by move because I don't pay attention that much to remember. I don't write down the moves. I know guys like um, Brian Alvarez and Jim Kel- Tim Keller, Jim Keller, whatever the hell his name is. And that may not even be his name, Keller. Uh, or Alvarez and stuff. They they like to do their podcast where they like literally have a notebook full of every move that happened in every sequence, and they they go over all of it. I I ain't got time for that. Um, and so j- today we're gonna discuss that, and then we're gonna end the show. I'm gonna have, bring on my brother James and my friend Cody, and we're gonna talk about some 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 statements about AEW that I have. And I'm going to have them sort of defend AEW. They are AEW fans. Um, and so I did, you know, they're fanboys all the way through and through. And so, you know, I wanted them to come on and defend their company. Just as I would expect. I want to try to be unbiased, right? I want to try to be unbiased. Um, and I don't want it to come out and, and, and 
me consistently beat up on Tony Khan or AEW and not have at least someone that is a fan of the company to defend the company. Um, it would be great if I, if I could get some pull somehow to get a, a talent from AEW. I'm willing to do interviews with anybody that wants to talk about wrestling. I would love to do it. You could find me on Facebook or I prefer TikTok, uh, you know, comment, DM, whatever, me on, me on TikTok or Twitter. Um, it's at We2Deep, W-E-T-O-O-D-E-E-P, 413. Um, uh, that is my Twitter, my Instagram, and my TikTok, We2Deep, 413. You can DM, say, hey, I want to join your podcast. Let's do an episode, and I'll be down with it. I'll be down with it. We could do a little interview. Um, and so I want to break down Worlds Collide. That's where we're moving to. Um, let me look up the card because I don't remember how this thing happened. Uh, I mean, I don't remember all the matches, to be honest. And I just actually, I'm recording this on a win, on a, excuse me, on a Tuesday Right after NXT, um, the show, and so I should have been paying attention about that. Um, anyway, so let's start the show, and we have Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams at his side defending the A champion, the North American Championship, versus Ricochet, and uh, as as you may think, this this would probably be match of the night to a you know more hardcore wrestling fan who cares about the moves. I'm gonna put this as match the second best match, and I'm only because I think the main event was better, um, um to me. Um, but this was a very good match. There were very good spots in it. It wasn't a lot of spots though, um uh, and. This was just a good match. And, and, and people have always sort of said, well, you, you care too much about story. You know, I've been told that um, that basically I've been critiqued for saying that I don't like, the, that the matches don't matter. But I still like a good match. But I, I don't want every match to be the same pace and the same style and the same flow and flips and super kick, right? This was really the only match on the card that had that style of wrestling. And it was good. It was enjoyable. It Because even within the spots on the match, the whole match wasn't a spot fest, right? And, and then, like, and, and so I'll go ahead and bring it up. AEW, to me, seems like they'll put on 15 matches on a card for a pay-per-view, and they'll have spot fed after spot fest after spot fest after spot fest, and I'm worn out after match three and expected to watch 12 more matches with the same flow as, you know, everything else. And the, the, the pacing of the show for AEW to me is sort of what throws me off of it. Whereas with NXT here, like this was the first match of the night. It was a fast-paced match to get the crowd into the card. Perfect placement, um, potentially match of the night, 
very good. Very good match. There were parts, right? And then Trick Williams is very good at playing that, like, distractible manager type guy who, you know, helps Carmelo continue to win. And I just want to bring this up. Because people will bash Roman Reigns consistently about cheating to win because the bloodline interferes or distracts and he is able to pull off a win. Literally, that is what Trick Williams does here. And everyone everyone cheers for Carmelo Hayes. I cheer for Carmelo Hayes. I love Carmelo Hayes. I just don't like inconsistencies. I don't like double standards. And I feel so many people in the wrestling fandom only hate Roman Reigns because it's Roman Reigns, but their favorite heel could do it, and they'll just forget about it, right? I, I had to bring up Roman just because. Because the same thing, Trick Williams, how many times did he distract Ricochet in this match? Right? It, it's what a heel does, right? Um, but you won't say that Carmelo Hayes is a cheater. I won't even think Roman Reigns is a cheater. But even if he is considered a cheater, heels cheat. That's the point, right? Eddie Guerrero, when he was bad, he lied, he cheated, and he stealed. Stole is the, I lie, I cheat, I steal, right? That's the whole idea of being a, of being a heel, right? Re, uh, Carmelo Hayes gets to win, right? Decision, of course. But it, I, this looks like based off of today's episode of NXT, tonight's episode of NXT, that this is going to be a whole feud because Ricochet faced... Trent Williams on uh, NXT today, um, but this looks like this might be a whole feud, and I'm down for it. I, th- I, there are people who on the main roster they're not being used well. They're mid card, like bottom bottom mid card, that could go to NXT and you know have something to do, and I'm all fine with that. All right, let's move on to the um, next match, which was a match I was actually looking forward to which is the unification of the uh, NXT Tag Team and the NXT UK Tag Team Champions. Um, Coming into the match, the Creed Brothers held the NXT Tag Team Championships and Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. Uh, Briggs and Jensen um, had uh, the NXT UK Tag Championship, um, and they were, of course, accompanied to the ring by the beautiful Fallon Henley, which I wish they used in the women's division more, and as an actual com- uh, competitor, um, because she just she she's like a different kind of sexy, right? Like, and we'll talk about Mandy Rose, but like, uh, Mandy Rose is like sexy, but like Fallon Henley, like the country boy in me, and I'm not really country, but like th- that. Southerner in me just loves the way Fallon Henley's presented because she's like, she's not like model sexy. I'll just be honest, but she's like country sexy. And there's a difference, right? And and it just, I, it, it, it's part of the reason why, like, I already liked the gimmick for the two. Like, I'm, I'll be honest, I wasn't a big fan of Josh Briggs in Evolve. I'll be honest, I saw him live once. Wasn't a big fan of his work and Evolve. But this gimmick, it, it, I, I'm really more so in love with the gimmick than I am the competitors. Um, and Fallon Henley plays the Southern Country Cowgirl so well. Um, and I'm all for it. Um, 
the Pretty Deadly came out, and I think Lash Legends, like their little manager. And can we give up on her, or is that is that too too early to say? I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of her. That's okay to say. I'm not a big fan of uh, Pretty Deadly at all, anyway. And then we had Gallus, which when it came to like the NXT UK crowd, I was thinking about this before I started recording this about how good Gallus is and how come I didn't know about it. Then I realized, well, they're NXT UK talents. And, you know, UK was always on over here in America, you know, while I was at work. And I'm t- like, a lot of times I forget about it to even go on Peacock and, and watch it. But I love Gallus. Maybe it's the, the, the Irish-Scottish, because that's part of my heritage. Um, but I just... Everything about the Coffee Brothers, uh, I don't even remember their names off the top of my head right now, and and, and Wolfgang, uh, just so good, right? And so either one of these four teams could have won, and I would have been okay with it, but I was really going for either Gallus or Briggs and Jensen, Um, and those were the first two teams eliminated. And it makes sense because the story coming out of this match is um, Damon Kent, I think is his name, turning on the Creeds, uh, basically siding with Roderick Strong, essentially. Um, And Pretty Deadly ends up winning the Tag Team Champions as a result of Kent taking a chair to the back of one of the Creeds. I don't even remember their first names, to be honest with you. Um, I'm sure I could read the read the 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 writing of the Brutus it wasn't Brutus it was the other one that I can't even think of his name um anyway that's not even really it doesn't matter what his name is but, but pretty deadly went um, I'm okay with it like they're they're good heels to hate um and I'll see where the storyline goes with it um I hope this isn't the end of Briggs and Jensen. I'm, I'm honest. Like, I really want them to be pushed because I really like what they offer as a gimmick. It's a it's it's a gimmick that you don't see presented a lot. And when the Southern Cowboy Redneck gimmick gets presented a lot in wrestling, at least historically, it's always been the dumb redneck or the drunk or it's always been a heel gimmick. And to see this sort of presented in a positive light um, is something that I enjoy. Um, all right. Next match was um, unification of the NXT Women's Championship and the NXT UK Championship. Miko Sotomara um, with the UK Championship. Blair Davenport, and then your NXT champion, Mandy Rose. Now, let me go into this in saying, I respect Miko for what she has done for the company and for the industry. You know, WCW, Japan, all over the world, right? And I respect her. However, presentation-wise, she's not it. I'm sorry. At least not for me. I would have been okay with the Davenport win, but I really would have hated if Mandy Rose would have lost this match and lost her title that way. 
Um, but she didn't. She ended up retaining, which is great. Her her rain gear is. I'm telling you, you don't need to be PG fourteen to to have good content to push the edge. You don't need to have blood. You don't need to have cussing and you know calling people bitches and 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 cunts and hoes and and jackasses and you know. Because a lot of times in wrestling, if you notice this, anytime the word bitch is used, like I immediately think of Stephanie calling Brie Bella a bitch. And that was like 2018, and that was like a big no-no. And they only let that slip out to get the crazy pop effect, and it was only certain people who could do it. Um, And I just... And then you have like AEW, and we'll talk about this when I bring my friend and my brother on here. We'll talk about about this, where you have like the CEO cussing at at media scrums. I just don't think that's professional or appropriate, and you don't need it. And I know I cuss somewhat a lot, but I'll be honest with you: a lot of my cussing that I do is to add that dramatic effect. To what I'm saying. I don't need to cuss. There's no point to it. If you just think about it in a realistic life. And think about your life and yourself. And we'll get a little philosophical here for a minute. What good does cussing do for you? It does, It just it adds that little oomph. That little like shot of adrenaline. To what you're saying. But, but other than that. like You don't need to use cuss words on a normal day to day basis. And so you don't need blood. You don't need cussing to bring people to watch your programming. And you don't even need to go, like, like at GCW, Chelsea Green showed her titties, but covered up the nipples. But, like, she showed her titties. And you don't need to go full Sable in the 90s for the Attitude Era. You don't need to go full Attitude Era. You just need to go full Mandy Rose, where she's beautiful. Like, excuse my language. I know I just said you don't need cussing, but this is dramatic. She's fucking sexy. Right? She is beautiful. Right? And that is what, at least for me, what makes me like Mandy Rowe. She's not the best in the ring. She's gotten better than she was a year and a half, two years ago. She's gotten better on the mic a year and a half. I think it's the gimmick that's helped her out. But what makes me watch Mandy Rose? What makes me like Mandy Rose? Always. It's, she's sexy. Right? It's a different reason than why I like uh, Bailey, because I don't find Bailey all that attractive. But she's very good in the ring, and I like that part about Bailey's gimmick and her, and her her style. Not everyone like everyone sort of assumes that I when I say that I want sexiness brought back into wrestling that everyone has to be sexy or the diva. No, there are good wrestlers. I'll use it for example. I don't find Britt Baker. All that attractive. But I think she's a very good pro wrestler. Um, in that. She. Is good on the mic. She's good enough in the ring. To, to put on a, an entertaining match. And she's a believable heel. And so I think she's a good professional wrestler. She needs to stick in that, that lane. She doesn't need to be out in a bikini. Like Mandy Rose is. However. Jamie Hayter? 
I haven't watched enough of her in-ring work to critique her wrestling. I'm assuming she's pretty decent at it, but she is sexy. And it would not hurt my feelings if she was in a bikini every week. Or, um, I could give examples. Like, Jordan Grace, I don't want to see in a bikini every week. Because her physique is, it doesn't fit my view of sexiness. But she's a damn good pro wrestler. And I would love to see her fight every week. Jordan Grace is really good at this industry. Right? And so when I said I want sexiness back, it's not everyone. It's um, Tiffany Stratton. I'm fine. Like, she's sexy. Cora. Mandy Rose. Jade. Right? There's just some people who have that diva instinct. Uh, Red Velvet. Right? That are made to be the diva types. Right? The Trish, the, the, the Tory Wilsons or the Stacey Keeblers, right? And then you have those who are the Litas and the Trish Stratuses and the, and the uh, Becky Lynch's and who, they, they may be attractive, but they're better at being a pro wrestler and actually fighting. And you could have both, and both are wonderful. And I watch Mandy Rose, and I like Mandy Rose because she is sexy. Is that wrong to say? Is that wrong to say? It's the same reason I watched Black Widow. Because Scarlett Johansson is sexy. I would, if, if she was not in the movie, I wouldn't care. Why did I watch Avengers 4? Scarlett Johansson. Because I could care less about the MCU. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's nothing wrong with admitting to saying I watched certain products... Because that lady is sexy. Right? There's nothing wrong with it. Right? And so Mandy Rose is over. Because she's one, she's good at the gimmick. But she's sexy. And men will pay money. And OnlyFans has proved this. OnlyFans has proven what I've said about professional wrestling. That men will pay to see things that are sexy. Even if you're just in a bikini and you can get the same pictures on Instagram for free, some men are dumb enough to pay for them. Some men have feet kinks and will pay for you to send them pictures of their of your feet. Some men are dumb and will waste money to buy your panties. I don't know why. Doesn't interest me. But men will pay for a lot of things when it comes to a sexy woman. It, it, that's part of the business. Sex sells. So use it. Don't push the boundary. Stay PG. Stay family friendly. But push that edge. WWE is very good at pushing that edge. But they're not edgy in the terms that AEW is edgy. And that AEW throws out more cuss words than a sailor. For no reason. Or, right, AEW bleeds... You're never going to see blood in WWE. I'm sorry. You're just not. Because it's not necessary in every match. You Right? And when you do get a blood scene where maybe Brock, ble- you know, takes off the, 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 um, the um, gloves on his hand and, you know, like he did with Orton and busted him open or, you know, someone, you know, like AJ Styles this year at WrestleMania where he, he hit the side of the, the the set 
and started bleeding, right? And granted, that was on Peacock, but I mean, even on a random Raw or SmackDown, right? They're never going to bleed on purpose. Um, but if something happens, say maybe a move goes wrong or they hit the side of the ring post or something, or like what happened with Cesaro a few years ago where his tooth got knocked out, they could go to the network and be like, well, accidents happened, right? We didn't plan for that to happen. That wasn't in the script, but accidents happen, right? Whereas AEW, it seems like every, right, they purposely blade. And so they need that TV 14 rating because it is a little, right? You don't need to blade every every show. You don't need to blade every show. Like, I didn't even need the, to watch the match to know that either Moxley or CM Punk was going to be completely covered in blood. I didn't need to even watch the match at all out to know that that was going to happen. But WWE, continue pushing the sexiness because you got so much of it, in, in especially in NXT. Some of these younger talent, they, they, they uh, did the promo for um, Soul Rocka, I think is her name. S-O-L... R something R E C A or R O C A that to me look her up soul rucka not so S O L first name R U C A uh, last name they did her little coming soon promo um and I've been following her on Instagram here the last few months and She's sexy. And she used to be like a, a gymnast or something. Uh, and I guess her gimmick's like a surfer. I think she's from uh, Hawaii, so that makes sense. Because um, I've always said, and, and I've got this from Vince Russo and how he booked, was that, I think it was Vince Russo. It could have been Bischoff. I, I, I mix up a lot of these bookers because uh, I take ideas from each of them and like, yeah, I like that, right? Um, but find something about the person. So, you know, this girl, Sol Rucka, I don't know her real name, but she comes in and interview her, find out what she likes to do, find out about her life, find out who she is. Now turn, exaggerate certain parts of her, her actual personality 10 times more like exaggerated. So, you know, with Roman Reigns, he's, he's just that cool badass, right? So exaggerate that part about him. And make that his gimmick, right? But make it something that, because they're not trained actors and not able to act, they can't, you can't be like, oh, you're the quiet introvert, and we're going to make you an extrovert on camera, and expect it to come off real without them going to acting school. So find out who they are as a person, and then exaggerate it into, into their gimmick. So if she's from Oahu, which is what her profile says, then that would make sense as why she's doing the surfer gimmick. But she's beautiful. Uh, Ariana Grace is a former beauty pageant queen. And she's training. So while you're getting her over, she's a beauty pageant queen. She's beautiful. I think she's Santina Morella's daughter as well. But that doesn't really necessarily matter. She's beautiful. Put her over as beautiful. Right? Nikita. What do, why do people care about Nikita Lyons? I've gone way too long on this point. But why do people care about Nikita Lyons? Or Maxine Dupree. She's another one. Sexy. Why do they care about them? Why do they follow them? Why do they watch when they're on TV? Why do people care about Nikita? 
Because the first, her debut match, she pinned by sitting on some girl's face with her, basically her ass and her pussy in, the, in her face. Excuse my language. And, and every guy in that arena and every guy watching it wished that was them. And that was the consensus. It made it made it mainstream as a meme on Twitter and Facebook on pages that are not wrestling related. And let me tell you something. I don't understand why Nikita's not being pushed further. I don't. I really don't. She should be the one to take the title off Mandy because you go from sexy to sexy. Right? Um... Uh, and so that's my point, right? I don't think Blair Davenport is ugly, but she's not Mandy Rose sexy. And it she's just not built to me to be a champion. And Miko just isn't presentable and to the the average American casual crowd. This is not presentable. So Mandy had to win this match, so I'm glad that they went that direction. The next match, it was the tag team championship, women's tag team championship match, Katana Chance. Caden Carter versus Dewdrop and Nikki ASH. Um, this was the match I did not care about. Um, it wasn't a bad match, but I just really didn't care. I hate to say this. I really hate to say this. Because I'm not trying to fat shame. I just don't think it's fair that Walter and Keith Lee, while we're at it, we're basically given the ultimatum to go down to the performance center and lose weight because you're too fat. Or you're going to be released. I'm assuming that's what was told. Because Walter basically was taken off of TV and told to lose weight. But Dewdrop... And again, this is nothing wrong. Dewdrop is a beautiful woman. Right? She She's, she's beautiful. I just... I just don't think it's fair that she is being presented, you know, the way she is. It just doesn't look good to me. And I'm not saying she, she's a very good wrestler. If you've ever watched her as Piper Niven or on the indies, she's a very good performer. I just, it's hard to present her body. Because she's not like big boned. Like China was big boned. She was big. And you could present her as a uh, as a monster, but she was still built, right? China and 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 Jacqueline, like they were bigger than your average woman, but they were in shape. And I just look, I'm way past obese, right? I just I just don't think Dewdrop looks presentable. And I've always said it the same way where like I like my men in wrestling six six. 300 pounds muscular lumberjacks. Like, I'm happy as hell Braun Strowman's back because he's like my prototype wrestler, right? He's the prototype wrestler, right? But I also like my women to be fit. You don't have to be like Charlotte Flair or Jade Cargill ripped. You don't have to be athletic as hell like Bianca. But it just... It doesn't look presentable, and to me, it's a little bit dangerous to have someone like Casey Catanzaro or Katana Chance, right, taking, you know, sentons from someone that's literally four times heavier than her. I just don't think that's all that... Again, I'm not trying to be mean. I just... It doesn't look good. Um, 
and right and Nikki Nikki Cross. She's be- I don't know if you've seen her like out of gimmick. She's a beautiful woman too. And let me tell she got herself a dump truck. Can we please change her gimmick? I'm tired. Of- I'm tired of the ASH gimmick. It's well past due to be changed. It didn't get over. Sure, it sold some toys, but come on. Let's move on with it. Caden and uh, Katana retained after Toxic Attraction distracted Nikki and Dewdrop. Um, and then we had our main event. This was my match of the night. Braun Breaker versus Tyler Bate for the unification of the NXT Championship and the NXT UK Championship. The two best designed looking belts in NXT Going against each other, very good competition. This was a better match than I thought it would be. I thought it would be hard for Braun to sort of match the different type of style that Tyler Bate was, but he gelled perfectly. And I would like to uh, assume that that was because they put him against the likes of Ziggler and Ciampa and Bobby Roode and, um, you know, the guy... uh, Cameron Grimes and J.D. McDonough, right? He's gone against some of the top wrestlers in the company early in his career and is really pushing along his his development, and boy, is he good. Braun Breaker is the future of WWE. I love him. I love everything about him. He is the future of the company. Triple H... Please understand that. Braun Breaker is the future of your company. And if you don't want to see that, <laughs> I don't know. The people complain because he, he does like four moves. But he's a lot, he's athletic as hell. His spear, oh my, he about ripped Tyler Bate in half with the spear that won the match. His, his, um, body slam is so good for as little as he's been in the business. Braun Breaker is the future. Like he's sort of like what Goldberg was supposed to be, right? Goldberg was com- came in, and but he just never truly like developed. He never really got better, right? He just sort of stayed the same, right? It was, and that's why his matches had to be the same. But but Braun Breaker's a thousand times more athletic. And he's not just spear body slam. He could do some moves. He could move around in the ring. I Braun Breaker is great. I hate people who already hate on him. He is wonderful. He is the next... I don't want to say he's going to be Cena. But he's going to be the face of the company. And I really hope that they position him to be the next face... After Roman Reigns leaves. Like, I would be all for, like, Braun Breaker being a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble. And him be- him beating Roman Reigns. That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. Roman go- gets to leave. Braun takes over. I think that would be fantastic to me. Right? Um... So overall, I think Clash of the Castle was a better pay-per-view. Premier live event, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but Worlds Collide was pretty good. Pretty good. I gave Clash a B. Um, 
uh, I'm gonna move that to a B plus, and then I'm gonna give Worlds Collide a B. Um, I think a B minus would be too too harsh to judge it because it wasn't bad. The only match I didn't care for was Katana and and Caden versus Nikki and Dewdrop. Um, so I mean, very very good. Um, WWE did not miss this past weekend. It was a very, very, very good weekend for them. I enjoyed a lot of it, um, and I hope to see. I hope to see the same stuff coming out of their events, their premier live events. You know, the same consistency uh, in the time, and you know, in the events coming up. You know, Extreme Rules, Survivor Series, Day One, other NXT events as well, right? So, um, I thought Worlds Collide was fantastic. Um, let me got, let me know what you think again. You could, you know, comment on this or share this or, you know, whatever. Um, you can find me on Twitter or TikTok at we2deep413. That's W-E-T-O-O-D-E-E-P 413. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move, move on here. We got uh, some special guests. For the special ending segment of this show, and to show how unbiased I am, I brought along some fans of AEW to discuss AEW. That's how great of a host I am. So I have my friend, my compadre, Cody Montanaro. How are you doing? See, I, I'm all right. How about yourself? I'm good. And then I have my my brother, the 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 sharer of the same sack that I was born in, <laughs> Buffalo James. How are you doing today? I'm uh, I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? I am good. <laughs> I can see Cody is uh, not amused. The, that's a great way to start this segment. But let's get straight down to business. I promise not to keep them long. If uh, you've listened to any of my attempts at podcasting before with these with these two precious folks, it could take hours. And we're going to try to do this in 20 minutes. Let's see if we can do it. That's the challenge. That's the real challenge today. All right. So. We're going to talk about some things with AEW. I want to get their opinions. And really, their goal is to try to prove me wrong. They don't know what we're going to talk about because I didn't tell them. But their goal is to prove my statement wrong. So let's start with statement number one. There's only three. There's only three, if I can remember all three of them. Because I don't write these things down. <laughs> if y'all know how I podcast, I uh, I kind of just come up with one statement and let the conversation go from there. So I forgot to write all three statements down. Anyway, statement one, I do know. We're going to talk about Philip Brooks. And we're not going to talk about the pay-per-view. We're not going to even talk about what he said at the media scrum. My statement is, I'm not surprised any of this is coming out. Here's why. We all know the narcissistic piece of shit Phil Brooks is. Thinks he's the best in the business. Thinks he deserves everything. And my overall statement, I want you to prove wrong, is prove me wrong. Phil Brooks 
CM Punk, whatever you want to call them, is AEW's version of Hollywood Hulk Hogan. We're, we're going to analogize this. CM Punk is to AEW as Hulk Hogan was to WCW. And that is a cancer and ultimately going to be the, the destruction of the company. Prove me wrong. I don't care which order you guys go, go in. What do you guys think about it? <clears throat> um, well, being as the WCW royalist that I am, and the pretty much loyalist of AEW, I guess I'll go first since I feel I'm very much connected with that statement. So I don't disagree that Philip Brooks is in some ways a con artist, much like Hogan was in WCW. I feel they both have creative control in some ways. Uh, I don't think Punk has lost very much. Now, yes, he did lose to Moxley on Dynamite in a clean pin. I'm not saying he doesn't lose. Very rare. But, A, I don't think Hogan was the ultimate downfall of WCW. Definitely a contributor, but not the ultimate guy that led the downfall. I think there are plenty of... Actually, I'm going to use Hogan's words. You can make quite a few little mistakes, but you can make very few big mistakes. Mm-hmm. WCW made a bunch of big mistakes. I'm not even going to categorize it. Russo is the one who killed it. I'm not even going to get into that. But I don't think he's the sole reason why he killed it. I don't think Hogan is the sole reason. I think that they both contributed to the ultimate downfall, but WCW was in a very bad spot when Russo got there. And I think it was just one of those, like, one of the final nails in the coffin. Anyways, Hogan definitely was bad for business for WCW from 98 on. 94 to 97, Hogan rejuvenated WCW and made it the biggest brand in wrestling. So you look at Phil Brooks, 2021, AEW was as hot as it ever was based on the return of CM Punk to professional wrestling in seven years. They sold out United Center, 20,000 seats. I think the setup was like 70,000. Sold it out based on a rumor. Even if we all pretty much knew what was going to happen, nobody confirmed it. It wasn't a marquee thing. It was maybe, and it did show up. One of the biggest moments in wrestling in the last decade. Not, I wouldn't say ever, but in the last decade. Now, I do think Bill Brooks is a con artist. And I think Tony Khan caters to his talent, but he caters to the wrong people sometimes. And I think CM Punk feels he has too much stroke because of what he did for WWE in the last 10 years and what he did in UFC, even though he didn't really win. He thinks he's got the biggest stroke in the world. Wrestling moved on without Punk in 2014. Arguably, one of my... I mean, I love Punk in WWE. Punk's a great wrestler, in my opinion, and, and very good on the microphone, very entertaining. I loved his run in WWE, but I also loved WWE from 2014 to 2017. So, goes to show you, I didn't need Punk. Does it help? Yes. But 
in situations like these, CM Punk maybe showed his true colors of, you know, I don't think that you think you're what you say you are. And our past has proven that we don't necessarily need you. We want you, but you don't need to be doing that crap. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I 100% totally agree with the statement that punk is equal to or the equivalent of what Hulk Hogan was to WCW. Um, but what I would say is, honestly, I think where Hulk Hogan was able to kind of keep keep the peace personally, and he the the way he influenced WCW was through some very terrible booking ideas. So it was a very in his private life he wouldn't let private matters become public. He would just have sway with how the booking would work and he wouldn't lose to certain people. And I think CM Punk, he's too egotistical to let bygones be bygones. Um, even in the media scrum, no one asked him about Colt Cabana. He just brought it up out of no, nothing just to kind of shed light on an issue. No one really gives a shit about anymore. Um, so I think Punk, he wants to solve things out loud in the open and try and clear his name, I guess you can say. Whereas um, I think Hogan was more quiet and he had, um, he had a sway and the booking. And so he took his manipulation to the on-screen product where punk, I don't, I think Tony Khan was going to push punk regardless but Punk is going to take that extra step and make sure that he can kind of go into business for himself a little bit um, and kind of push his narrative on us on the story. And I think if there would be one downfall to Tony Khan, I think he, him being a fan of pro wrestling, I think for him, he's too easily, emotional on what he wants to see as a fan that he sometimes forgets that it might not be the best thing for the business long-term. So I think he was looking at, we get punk back, we get that good pop in Chicago. We get some dream matches out of it, but he didn't, he would take that over the possible, cancer that he is in the locker room um and maybe i mean there's some people saying that that might be the reason cody got out before it finally hit its head like it is now he knew that this is where it was go heading and he popped off before it shit hit the fan i don't know i have not been in the locker room at aew so i don't know what goes on on a day-to-day but it just seems like, at least from an outsider's perspective, that these locker room issues weren't a thing until CM Punk popped up. Um, and so I don't know if, if 
he's splitting the locker room in half or what's going on, but I don't, I don't know. He kind of is AEW's Hulk Hogan, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're on, like they're the same exact thing. They just kind of handle things a little differently. Um, all right, so we'll move on to the next statement. I'm going to save the best one for last. The reason I brought these two on for last. But the second statement was, <clears throat> now that <clears throat> Discovery is sort of in charge and they've already asked for them to sort of tone down the language and uh, they're cutting product network-wide, and I know it's a merger, so Discovery doesn't make all of the decisions. But going off of Discovery's wrestling past, New Japan got cut, Impact got cut. Should anyone be scared? I think they should. And maybe, potentially, AEW's going to get cut because Discovery hasn't really cared as a company for the product. I'll start this one. I don't think there's really an, for now, there shouldn't be much concern for AEW losing their TV time. Um, For now, um, because they're the number one show on TBS almost every week. So it, it would be difficult for TBS to justify losing their top product and let's just be honest for the past what 10 years now if impractical jokers reruns aren't on tbs or if fast and the furious the 900 movies they've made aren't on tnt there's no really new shows coming out there um and so and then without the nba and the nlb those are their hot things. So I think live sports are kind of where TBS and TNT are kind of in that heading in that direction as like, that's their main focus. And I think AEW um, dynamite and um, rampage, I think they're safe. Now I think the TV contract ends at the end of 2023. So I don't think they'll pull AEW, I would be more concerned that they wouldn't renew the contract. Now, I listened to Chris Jericho in the media scrum, and he kind of sounded like he was confident they were going to get a, a, a new TV deal with TNT and TBS or with the, the comp with Turner. So I don't know. I wouldn't be, I would be more concerned they wouldn't re sign a, a new deal and you'd have to find another company to, to, at that point over getting cut right now. That would be my concern. So before Cody does his, I, I do have a statement. Just just to re- rebuttal you, with Discovery sort of being over all of that, Food Network, all their other travel shows is where they, they, where they seem to sort of want to, you know, family-friendly entertainment. Does that not concern me? I understand like TNT and TBS go live sports. That's fine. But with Discovery sort of being in control, I guess my question was, are you more concerned because Discovery is more family friendly? And let's just be honest. 
PG-14 is WWE under Triple H has proven you don't need to be TV-14 to be just a little bit edgy. Um, You don't need the blood. You don't need the language that AEW consistently has. Are you scared that Discovery could maybe it's a non-renewal or I don't think it's going to be cut, to be honest. It's just a question. Um, Are you not concerned about, you know, them going the family friendly direction that AEW seems to not want to portray? Um, For me, I think that. It's a it's a hard question to answer. In layman terms, no, but it depends on who the big wigs are that are actually running it. Is Discovery running it over Warner Media? I I don't want to say that you're wrong in any capacity with this. I don't know. I I would lean that Warner Media is going to be over all that. If it's Discovery, I have no problem saying that I'm I'm wrong and it is Discovery. If that's official, that Discovery is actually taking over the the production side of things and and kind of setting their TV lineup understandable um if it's pretty much warner media or they're two separate entities but under the same umbrella i don't think it's gonna be a problem <clears throat> i think that sometimes even with if, even if, if even if it was discovery that it's kind of overseeing the television production side of things aw is still going to toe that line they're going to get they're going to go over that envelope sometimes they're going to do that and discovery may have to pull them back pull the reins back a little bit. And then it, it ultimately, you know, hey guys, listen, our ratings speak for themselves. Even if we're not at the 1 million every single week, yeah, weeks are better better than others. Um, but we're consistently one of the top rated shows on your networks. So, you know, our numbers speak for themselves. <clears throat> in in general though, I don't I don't think AEW has anything to worry about it. James brought up a great point with the Jericho thing. At the end of the post media scrum, um, Jericho, you know, pretty much sees that AEW is going to be either extended by Warner Media or they're going to be getting a great big TV deal, regardless. And I think that that definitely is true, unless they just take a, the biggest nosedive in cold rampage numbers. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll be fine. My biggest thing is that if if you're a Warner Media or television company that is looking for brand new TV. Um, do you want to bring content to your channel? How do you up your channel? That'd be a great way to do it. If you look at it, you have to look at AW as a whole. Are they pulling raw numbers? At one point, they were very close to raw. Uh, it's kind of definitely distanced itself off a little bit there for sure. They've hovered around the 1.0, uh, 1.1 million viewership a lot throughout their history. And their numbers have grown consistently year over year, at least for the first three years that they've been on TV. But you also have to look at the buy rates of their pay-per-views, WWE doesn't do really pay-per-views unless maybe for WrestleMania or some of the big ones, or maybe they still do it, but I'm quite sure they don't pull AEW-type pay-per-view numbers outside maybe the big four. And AEW, of course, only has four pay-per-views, so it's the opportunity of, oh, it's got to be must-see TV. And they consistently had strong pay-per-view numbers end over end. So that's a hot product that is continuously pulling in great numbers for that. So... I don't think they're going to go anywhere. I think they're fine. Um, and I think that even if Warner Media did not want to renew them, that there is a TV deal out there for them that I think 
AA will definitely surpass their extension and will be a very great TV deal for them to generate revenue. But to sum it all up, I think I think they're fine. Yeah, to throw one quick caveat, I I, I think even if um, Discovery is running it, and I know you brought up like Impact and New Japan and all of them, I think the one thing AEW has over them is one, they have an owner who has a shit ton of cash. So that Tony Khan can say, look, I'll pay for production for, or half the production. And so he can cut the cost that maybe impact couldn't put up that money for, uh, or new Japan. I think new Japan in general, just, they didn't reach the American audience the way that everybody thought so. And AEW has kind of seemingly bridged the gap a little bit. Um, and my overall opinion is you want your prime time spot, regardless if Warner's leading it or if Discovery's leading it, you want your prime time spot to pull your biggest numbers. And Wednesday's a big day for TV on every network. And AEW is constantly in the top 10 on Wednesday, every single week. So I think that, and I believe on their media call, the big wigs up in Warner and all of them were applauding AEW's numbers. So I think they're content with not pulling 2 million like Raw and SmackDown are doing now. Um, They're content where they're at because they're meeting the expectations that I think Tony Khan has set and Warner has set for the, the brand. All right, now uh, now we get to the main event of the evening. <sighs> Y'all have mentioned his name several times. I always have to mention him. I just I just have to. Uh, that, it's uh, we're gonna call him by his legal name, Anthony Rafik Khan. How you doing? Uh, we're gonna talk about Tony here. For a minute, and we're not we're we're not gonna degrade him. I mean, that's a lie. I'm gonna degrade him. Um, so I'm gonna play this clip. These guys have heard it, but just in case you who are listening to this podcast, the one person in Nigeria who are listening to this podcast, um, <laughs> if you haven't heard it, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you very much. Um, but uh, we're going to play this clip, and we're going to discuss this clip. Um. And I'm doing this on the podcast so that I can um, save TikTok from me and James going back and forth discussing this clip and videos. Um, because I'm just going to be honest, this is nothing. I'm not trying to be mean. Those are some of the most boring videos I've ever seen in my life. But anyway, let's let's play the clip here. It would help if I had my volume on. Be careful, this part might get copyrighted. AEW was good at copyright. Look, I play a whole biggie as a segment of, of the intro to this segment. I don't care about copyrights. I have to face the competition out there, but when I compare myself to Jim Crockett promotions this weekend, I think I got a taste of the same medicine Jim Crockett promotions took, but I have a lot more fucking money than Jim Crockett did, and I'm not going to get, I'm serious, I'm not going to sit back and take this fucking shit. 
All right. There's, there's not a lot to unpack. I'm going to make my statement, and then I'm going to let you guys defend Tony Khan on this <laughs> topic. I'm not even – I know your defense. I'm going to let you guys say it, and then I'm going to rebuke it. My, my, my initial statement um, is the only reason I'm happy this came out is because it gives me something to talk about. And in the business of wrestling, any reaction is a, is a good reaction. However, Tony Khan, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again right now, and I'll probably say it next week and the weeks in the past. Shut the fuck up. It hasn't even been a month since you were comparing yourself to Paul Heyman. Now you're comparing yourself to Jim. You're neither of those. Just be Tony Khan. Be content being Tony Khan. Be content running the second biggest company in this business and shut the hell up. Because in my view, this comes off as a spoiled kid who grew up not having any issues. And now he enters a, a business where he faces competition and someone actually offers back competition. And now he's going to cry about it. It comes off as high school, little Timmy and, and, and is throwing a party and, and Paul down the street is running a party at the same time. And now, now little Timmy's going to go cry to mom uh, and probably going to go buy some more talent to try to, you know, justify it. But, you know, I, I just, so that's the first part is it just comes off as spoiled and titled and, um, and all of that, by the way, we only have 10 minutes left for this. We'll end. I don't pay for the shit no more. So, um, um, so I'll end this real quick with my, with my statement. And then the second part will be, it just comes off unprofessional to me. And I had someone uh, bring up Triple H, you know, how he sort of slid in a diss about, oh, congratulations, they beat developmental. The difference is, is Triple H is not the CEO. And I've said this before. I'll say it now. I'll say it again in a, in a week. Tony Khan's the CEO. If Nick Khan or Stephanie McMahon came out and cussed, dressed unprofessionally, acted unprofessionally in any way, I would call them out the same as I call out Tony Khan. You're the CEO. Granted, if you go and look up the public records, he's not on any of them. It's either Shad or Mega on all of the documents. So he really has no pull in the company. Um, I spent an hour looking this up yesterday. Um, but, um, yeah, what's your take? And, again, we have about eight minutes before this will cut us off. So I'll start I'll real quick. James, go first. Yeah. I feel like he may take the most. <laughs> <laughs> no. So – to answer your second question first, what is considered professional for a business is up to the standard of that business. So if Tony Khan is okay with cussing and dressing the way he does and acting like that, then that's on him and that's his prerogative. The, Gary Vaynerchuk does the same thing when he does his speeches. But it's two different um, industries. I'm just saying it's two separate industries. He's more of a media mogul in terms of podcasting and outside of that. Tony Khan's running a professional company. Well, Gary Vaynerchuk runs 25 or is an investor or an owner CEO of about 25 different companies. So he has 
anyway, um, to answer your first part about him being entitled, I think this wasn't just him venting about WWE running Clash of the Castle on the same weekend and running Worlds Collide on the same weekend. This goes back to the email that Mega had to send out about WWE doing tampering on contracted individuals and stuff like that. And WWE, they used to get get away with doing stuff like that with Jim Crockett and with um, WCW and with TNA and with even New Japan probably up until AEW popped off. Um, and Tony Khan, he's not going to put up with it. And I think he has that right to defend his intellectual property and to defend his company as a whole. Um, and so I don't have a problem with what he's saying. Was what he's saying wrong? I don't think it was. Now, is it the most professional way to say it maybe not but i would respect that tony khan acts maybe a little bit unprofessional but is real with how he feels rather than just wear a suit and tie and kind of polish up his true emotions to have this appearance of professionality so i'll take it from this approach that you james were comparing tony khan to a another CEO type figure and randomly butted and said that that suited a totally different industry. But let's give it to the wrestling industry, shall we? I have examples. So Eric Bischoff, sure he wasn't the CEO of WCW, but he was the focal point, the authoritarian role and the figurehead of WCW on camera, represented WCW in a corporate setting, all that stuff. His language on television sometimes was not the greatest. He would call out Vince McMahon, all that stuff. Vince McMahon himself has not always shown the proper PC corporate figurehead of a multi-billion dollar corporation on camera. Look up his interview with Bob Costas back in the early 2000s. You'll know what I'm talking about. His steroid trial, the whole Brett versus, you know, Brett screw Brett thing on camera. Um, all that. Plenty of examples of that. But I, 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 don't think Tony had to say what he had to say. I get he's frustrated is what it is. He was just simply comparing himself situational wise to what JCP dealt with back in the eighties in the early nineties. That's all he was really doing. Um, I almost look at it as I feel Tony Khan was trying to divert some of the attention of a CM Punk's promo or of the CM Punk's press conference to try to drive the attention off of that and to put it onto him. So his talent didn't have to deal with it. I think it didn't matter either way that it was going to happen. And really the biggest story coming out of All Out is the scrum at the end. Um, but I think Tony Khan was trying to get that attention off of that and put it onto him so the talent didn't have to deal with it. And he would take the criticism because he has no problem doing that. Um, so I think that's two reasons right there why he did what he did. Um, it is his company to, to the most extent. He's a figurehead. He's the one who's going to be doing the press conferences, media scrums. Uh, the calls, this and that. So he can do with it what he wants to. He's the booker. He's a matchmaker. He's this, he's that. So it is his company. He can do with it what he, what he wants. Um, we don't have to agree to it. Absolutely not. There's maybe a better way to do it versus a not better way to do it. Then I have to cuss all the time. I agree. But at the same time, if you want to defend your company, you defend it how you want to. And uh, yeah, so 
I get where he's coming from. I don't agree with everything he said, no, but, um, you know, I just think that he was a trying to divert the attention off of Punk in that whole situation and put it on himself so he can take some of the criticism and let the media come to him, not Punk, and just simply just trying to defend his company and situationally compare himself to a GCP-type situation back in the day. Perfect. And seeing we got a little bit of time, I'm going to just – last words belong to me. Just to respond to both of you, James, you said, you know, it's, you know, you brought up the tampering. So our company's not allowed to try to recruit someone. To, it happens all the time in the corporate world where, you know, if, if Harris Teeter came up to you working at Food Lion and said, hey, we'll offer you this much money when you come to us. Is that not allowed to happen? Because it does. No, happen. actually, it's not allowed to happen. You're not allowed to. That's why. um Harris Teeter doesn't allow like Instacart people to work for Harris Teeter at the same time because they, that's a conflict of interest. That's working the same job, working two jobs with the same company or with different companies. I'm saying if Harris Teeter came to you and said, we want to take you from food Lion, that's not illegal. But at the same time, I wouldn't be, I'm not contractually obligated to work for Harris Teeter. I'm at will. But- but no one's They're ever AEW is contracted. They have a contract. You're not allowed to breach that contract. Okay, but if Vince, if Vince McMahon or Stephanie McMahon goes to God knows who, and again, I think all of this is completely made up. I'm gonna be completely honest. I don't think WWE is talking to anyone there. The only person that they've ever said that they've really been interested in is MJF. Um, and I'm sure they're trying to bring back some of the guys that they lo- they lost. But is it against the rules to say, hey, when your contract's up, come talk to me? Because that's what I would imagine the, 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 the cause would be like. You're Second, not allowed to do it in any other sport. It's not a sport. It's a TV show. It's not a sport. And until you guys get it through your head, it's not a sport. You're different. It's a different industry. Maybe this won't make sense to you. Anyway. To, to respond to some of the things Cody said, he brought up the Brett versus Brett thing. That was a character. That was Vince McMahon in character, not Vince McMahon as Vince McMahon. Um, so I disagree with that, but, but, but go ahead. But um, if Tony Khan was just the booker and didn't have the CEO title, I could give two fucks how he, how he talks. If he was just the booker, but he has, he's the number one guy in the company. On paperwork, CEO Anthony Khan. And so to me, and we have less than a minute, so I'm going to end this here soon. To me, it's just not professional for the CEO of the company to, to, set, to go into public and to act like a teenager. Um, how you define professional, that's up to you. But I do want to thank you guys for coming along and having this discussion. Hopefully, we'll have you guys back here soon. Until next time, I will see you guys on the next episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast.